Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Free shows and podcast heat and house of wrestling, WWE creative ish community, all of the communities. Everybody, let's have a commune today. Let's create a community, you know, where we all live in peace and harmony. There can be some goats, some soybeans. It's going to be, it's gonna be great. We're going to have a little community that we're going to start here today. And we are your leaders, your cult leaders today here at this commune. It is me, House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman and former WWE writer, Robert Karpolis. And I get your last name right, former fellow cult leader? You nailed it. I don't co-sign wow. on anything you just said. That was super weird, no. but I'm here. No, no, it was fine. It was fine. Let's all hold hands. Let's wear our, our lavender robes, and let's just have a great conversation today about pro wrestling, Robert. I'm so excited to do that. Look, the only cult leader I'm following is Paul Heyman, uh, just because... I'm comfortable in the fact that I like his presence and know that no check is going to clear. Okay. And I can make peace with that. It's a great cult leader. I've been watching way too many cult documentaries. There's like a proliferation of them right now. It's like on my mind. Anyway, hey, let's move off the cult talk. Let's talk about something that's totally not a cult, and that's professional wrestling. Certainly nothing cultish about that, right? Wink, nudge, chop. Um, uh, We're all going to be talking about... a good personal friend you do uh, improv with, Colt Cabana? Colt Cabana, yes. There's the well, there's the cult of personality, there's the cult of cabana. It's all kinds of cults, I guess. Um, uh, we got a lot to get to here today. Um, uh, the top story we're gonna get off to here in a second. We're gonna be talking about this new report from Dave Meltzer this morning about negativity in and around AEW. Uh, there was also a release from the front office of AEW. Uh, the interest in Kazuchika Okada, who will be a free agent soon. We're gonna get into some raw. We'll talk so- Sam Madonna starting riots, and of course, if we've got time. We'll talk about Billy Corgan at the CW at the end. Um, if you want to be a part of today's conversation, jump into the comment section wherever you're watching us. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you're watching us on X, you can be like Michael Vasquez here who says, thanks for the upload. And Michael, thanks for the comment. That's what I want. I want people engaged in the show. Robert? I love this positivity that you have moving into the very first story, which is negativity in AEW. Oh, man, you know, I got to wake up and get it going. I have my cup of coffee, and I try my best to be positive. And so let's try to be positive as we talk the negativity. Yes, the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, 
he jumped on the radio this morning and he said that there's been some negativity, a lot of negative feedback that he's gotten from those in and around the company. Now, this past Saturday night, they did a collision taping. It only, based on what WrestleTix was saying, if you look at their most recent breakdown, about 17 to 1800 fans, very thin, especially on the hard cam side. It was noted in the report, like we talked about yesterday, the company's grossing a lot of money, but a lot of questions about how much profit they are actually making. And talent, they want the company to be the number one company, and they're just frustrated at the moment because WWE just seems to be doing so well in attendance and viewership numbers, and right now AEW is struggling in those areas. What do you make of this? I mean, it's coming from Meltzer, who has traditionally been uh, very sympathetic to the AEW camp so it caught me a little off guard just from the source that we would get a story like this this morning yeah i'm shocked that it came from Meltzer. i think Meltzer has been so incredibly pro aw and i say that genuinely shocked because for the most part he likes to be as fair and balanced as possible when he's talking about the companies you know who his biases are you know who he's in favor of who he's against but when you're talking about the overall health and viability of an organization you have to have some degree of transparency to maintain any degree of credibility. The AEW stuff for the longest time has bothered me because you see a lot of these potential problems that are there and they don't head them off at the path. When they're booking certain arenas, when they're running certain venues, they're running buildings that host WWE events, but they don't necessarily draw those WWE numbers. Whereas if you play a smaller venue in a large market, you can still say, we're in Philadelphia, we're in New York, we're in Chicago, and it's a sellout, but you don't necessarily have a cavernous arena. The I, I used to work, uh, in, I used to be the in-house counsel for the Florida Panthers at their arena in Sunrise. That building holds 19,352 people, and AEW ran a show there, and it was nowhere near that. And it's discouraging for the talent when you go out there and you're performing and you just don't see people in front of you. You can tell your mind and trick yourself as much as you want to say, you know what? I know this is being seen by millions of people on TV. You feed off that audience. And when you have a roster that is either younger or has, has been at the WWE knows what it feels like otherwise, it, they're going to be discouraged. I think this is only amplified by, and, and again, it's it said in the report, how well WWE is doing right now, but I think it's only amplified in that regard. And especially when you take a talent like Adam Copeland edge, right. Who was last presented retirement match, his last opponent, lots of emotions, Sheamus big send off. Right. And now he's coming out in these smaller arenas and he's getting that kind of that, that not as big of attention. And it just doesn't feel quite the same. And that kind of disparity with, with various talents is noticeable. You know, I, I pick Adam in particular because you know, the anecdote I got from somebody from production about how he doesn't go to both sides of the stage when he comes out anymore because there's nobody on one side of the stage for him to play to. If you know what I'm talking about, he does like da da da, and he runs back and yeah, forth. Of course. Now, he, now he just runs to one side and then he goes to the ring. So it, it is jarring. I can see the frustration from people in that. And of course, like, look, WWE has begun hiring again, there is opportunity over there. Uh, it is just a very different situation uh, at the moment. I think part of what you have to remember when it comes to AEW and their economics, because they don't run house shows, a lot of the talent is getting paid on a standard contract. So it's almost guaranteed money. So whether you're playing in front of 1,900 people or 10,000 people, 
for the most part, I haven't poured through the entirety of an AEW contract, but for the most part, you're getting paid kind of regardless. So the motivation for some of the talent to get worked up about it is pretty low, which I think is why you don't hear as many malcontents. If you were running house shows and you were dependent on house show money, yeah, you're going to be really upset that the houses are low. And I think the people that are getting frustrated about it are the people who have pride in what they're doing. And there's a lot of people who left WWE to go to AEW, not for the money, but because they wanted the opportunity. Andrade, Miro, Malachi Black. These are very creative, very talented people in the primes of their career. They felt they were being wasted in WWE. If they would have gone to AEW and they all hit home runs, you're going to have a lot of talent in WWE looking and saying, I wish I was over there. It's hard to see the motivation of why you would want to go to AEW right now if you have a chance to be at both places. Yes, and that uh, Mike Blog, Mike Mail Arrow here in our comment section echoing you saying, is this a grass is greener situation? A lot of people might have moved from WWE to AEW because they thought it would be better and realized it just wasn't what they expected, which is basically what you're describing right now. And um, yeah. man, Malachi Black, what is it? It's been like two years since he's had a singles match on TV. You know, I, hmm. it's it's wild. And it's wild because a lot of those guys who left to go to AEW left because Vince didn't see something in them or the, the way they were going to be presented by McMahon was not how they wanted. In Hunter's hands, I would love to see what a guy like Keith Lee would be doing right now in WWE, knowing how highly valued he was in NXT. <laughs> I think Keith Lee would like to know what Keith Lee looks like at WWE right now, knowing how highly valued he was in NXT. Um, yeah. Same goes for Andrade and Malachi Black, right? Um, I, look, we'll see where this AEW devil angle goes, uh, but the Undisputed Era is certainly... Look, the last NXT media call we did, I didn't call it out, but Shawn Michaels has a framed photo of the Undisputed Era on his desk. It is the only photo on his desk. is talent that does not work for his company. Now that Hunter is back in charge completely, a very strong signal being sent. A lot of bait there for the fish over in AEW land. Robert? Oh, my God. I think Robert's frozen. Um, well, as Robert... Uh, becomes unfrozen as he isn't become like a uh, Han Solo and liquid carbonite. Oh, and I just got a message from Robert. His Wi-Fi went down. So while we are uh, waiting for Robert here to get back online, we have uh, some write-ins here that we'll get into. We'll discuss. We'll jump back into the uh, the old run sheet. Uh, Tinku Gia says, in all caps, which I'll try to read without blowing out your headphones, when is Tony Khan going to realize that he needs better management of his company? You know, it is a, certainly a, a situation where a lot of people have said delegation would certainly help uh, Tony at the moment. And um, we'll see if he look, we'll see if Tony uh, decides to do that. And look, it's 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 another it's the same thing at NWA right now which is but I've been reporting a lot of people similarly kind of bouncing back and forth like, you know, I wish there was more delegation here. All right. Robert's back. Hey, buddy. Hey, sorry. Yeah, my Wi-Fi, uh, the landscaper outside, I think, just did something to the Wi-Fi. So now I'm on my hotspot on my phone. Uh, that is the most uh, gated community privilege statement I could have possibly just said right now. But you're right. Blame, Ker blame Kerwin White, my friend. Um, <laughs> no, no. It was Tony Khan. He heard what we were doing, and he pulled one of those levers, and all of a sudden my Wi-Fi went away. 
Well, there you go. Um, well, one of the things I wanted to get into real quick as we were uh, talking about uh, what's going on here with the lay of the land over at AEW. Uh, again, it looks like we're going to get this Young Bucks Bucks camp with them, Brandon Cutler, Colt Cabana coming out and kind of leaning into this idea that they have been pushing their friends, penalizing people that are on their side. Some of the behavior that it would sound is genuinely <laughs> maybe playing into the backstage negativity where it is a very uh, competitive space right now where people feel a certain way about how they're getting pushed and why in this company, Robert. You know, we talked about this before that the Bucks may want to lean into their persona. Do you really want to see this on television? I think that there's a lot of genuine frustration going on and them trying to turn it into an angle. WCW has tried doing that before. Thank you. TNA has tried doing this before. Yes. 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 We're watching WCW 2000 right now. We are one Mark Jindrak away. We are one above average Mike Sanders away from this being Nitro in 2000. And it is so unfortunate if they just took a step back and got out of their way and looked at the immense embarrassment of riches that they have in terms of talent, young, really skilled talent, you should be getting behind guys like Shane Strickland. You should be letting a guy like Wardlow go out there and shine. A guy like Hobbs, Takeshita. You have this roster that is really incredible, but it is so lost in a ballooned environment with so many other people and so many other shows and people being stretched thin their production, the show, at least when you see it on television, it looks like a main event style show. There's a lot of issues that have happened with their production. But overall, if you were flipping through TV and saw that, you wouldn't think this is a small indie promotion. They look big time. They look mainstream. I think Mike Mansuri has done a fantastic job in getting this show the way that it needs to look. But I know even on that end, with QT Marshall leaving, who is formatting a lot of the TV, and then, not to jump a little further, but I know Kevin Sullivan, the, yeah, the producer here, Kevin yeah, Sullivan. You're setting me up for this story so perfectly, oh. Robert. Yes, uh, there was a major change behind the scenes in AEW. Kevin Sullivan, not that one from TV. He's the vice president of post-production. He was let go. Mike Mansuri, the SVP and co-executive producer, he made the call. This is according to The Observer and Fightful. Um, he was very highly thought of, had been with AEW from the earliest days. He came over from Impact. He built the entire AEW post-production team that was based in Nashville. So there are a lot of questions going around regarding what happened past the feeling the original AEW has changed greatly. All right, back to you. Just want to get that all in there. Yeah. I worked with Kevin in WWE. I worked with Kevin in MLW. He's a guy who's been around wrestling for a very long time. He knows the feel of it. Clearly, something Based on what they were seeing, they felt there needed to be some sort of a change. Mansuri came up under Kevin Dunn, under WWE production. I don't know that some of the production gaffes that have happened on AEW TV can be attributed to one individual or not. I okay. think the shows look look really strong. I think their video packages that they've been leaning on have always looked really well done. Some of the creative flurries they've done, a lot of the stuff they've done with Tony Storm of late has been really interesting and enhanced her character. I don't know if Mike feels I have someone else who's better for the job or who knows what's going on behind the scenes. Whenever you're talking about someone who's who's being let go on a backstage area, 
you never really know the full story. And a lot of it would be rumor and innuendo, except for the fact that for the most part, AEW's production has looked really polished. And some of the errors that have happened have been missing music cues or microphone issues or cutting to the wrong you know, camera or something like that. Not really glaring, bad, embarrassing stuff. Yes. Uh, and the Tony Storm stuff has really felt like Giancarlo Ditmo stuff. Um, who is who came up with GCW, worked in WWE for a while. He did the Live Forever documentary and the yeah. uh, Superfan documentary that finally made its way to Peacock. Go check that out. Um, but that he, that's his style. Like the Tony Storm stuff has just felt straight like him. He's really good at finding those kinds of... He's really good with working with talent and creating vignettes catered to them. And, and you know, he did all the stuff with Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss and GCW. So he's just very good at that. That's felt his style. And I've noticed more of it. I think what's really funny is it's some of the best work that's been done by the AEW women's division. And it's been leaning heavily on production and letting talent have that opportunity when they can strike an identity and you can better understand who they are as people you attach to what's going on in the ring. Yeah. Um, well, somebody, so somebody who fans are really attached to here is we swing into the WWE block. I will throw this in. I haven't had a chance to write about it. I did see it come up this morning, but Ken Hanley asking Nick, have you heard anything about Ken Shamrock going to the hall of fame? Given his new WWE merch is available. I don't know anything other than his merchandise is available. I'm trying to find out if he's under some kind of new deal, but it is interesting right at this time when TKO group holdings is coming together. You have UFC and WWE back in the same boat. Ken Shamrock is like the, like it's him and Dan Severn are like the goats of UFC, right? You know, there's a very small group of people that really helped blow that thing up. Kim was a big part of that. I could see, I could see Ken back in. I think he could still go too. I'd love to see Ken get into the hall of fame. I think being able to, anytime you can bring somebody back in and use footage of them for video packages, it's always to their, it's always to the company's advantage. It's always the individual's advantage. One of the reasons why so many people are so concerned about their standing with WWE is they control the narrative. They control all of the footage. And if they want to erase you in the eyes of the fans, they kind of can. And Ken Shamrock, who contributed a lot to the business during a really hot period of time, has been, you know, sort of persona non grata on TV. He's not obviously part of the signature. He's not part of any video packages, anything involving the network. Bring him back into the fold. It's better to have him there as an ally than an enemy. And you never know the next time they can do some sort of UFC crossover He'd be a great talking head for one of those packages. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, and again, we're, I, I think him, Ronda, Punk kind of fits into that mold a little bit as much as fans will roll their eyes uh, about his UFC connections. But anybody who's really played in both those waters a little bit, obviously when Brock gets back, I can see him making I was going to say, the fact that you went to Brock before, we went to Punk before Brock, we know where your bread is buttered, Nick. Well, and we Brock is not Brock is not in my eye line right now. He's not on TV. I'm not talking. I'm not doing Brock Lesnar news right now. He's not in the news. There's no rumor under any window about Brock. Well, I guess UFC 300's coming up, isn't it? No, Dana has said fine. Here you go. Yeah, Dana White has repeatedly said no Brock Lesnar, no Ronda Rousey at UFC 300. So there is the rumor in your window about that. But Dana said no. Several times, unless it's like Survivor Series all over again, and they're both going to show up at the very end, take somebody out. I don't know. Um, Steve I Kaufman asking, though, do we know who's going to headline 
the Hall of Fame this year. It would, it would, it's got to be somebody from ECW. Heyman, I do not think it wants to do it. I think he sees it as way too early to be going into the Hall of Fame. He's got a lot of work left to do. But if not him, who like Dreamer? No, he's not really their guy. RV, so Dreamer, RVD's already in. RVD's in. Dreamer is still active at Impact, and I'm curious how long from removed from that dark side of the ring nonsense oh, yeah. uh, until he's able to be touched again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just trying to think of the ECW crop. Obviously, Paul Heyman's the big name, but I just don't think he wants to go in. And so, I don't know. I, I don't know who the headliner will be this year. It could, could be somebody random. There's so many big names that are still not in that every year I read about, I'm like, oh, wow. You know? Anyway. I think, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to really look and see. It would make sense to bring somebody in from the ECW fold to some degree. It doesn't, they don't need to be the headliner, but having an ECW presence there, finding someone else who's tied to Philadelphia in some way, shape or form. I'd be curious to go back and see, look at the card from WrestleMania 14. So who's not in from mm. that. That's a good call. Very good call. Um, well, somebody who may be in the mix come WrestleMania this year, Kazuchika Okada, Sports Illustrated saying that his contract with New Japan comes up at the end of January 2024. He is strongly interested in wrestling elsewhere. Uh, WWE, AEW, obviously the likeliest of options. And on that note, he recently did a tag match, tagged with Orange Cassidy. They lost to Blackpool Combat Club. It was Danielson and Claudio. Uh, that match was so he could get some time working with Danielson ahead of their match at Wrestle Kingdom and just so he could get a vibe, right? get a vibe on what's going on at AEW. Is it negative over here? Is it negative in AEW land? I don't know. Story we started with here today. So he was getting that vibe. But Shawn Michaels, he, he added a quote to the piece saying he'd love to see Okada in the mix um, and how fans of his were like, man, I wish I'd have seen you wrestle more outside WWE. So maybe Okada can do that. Wherever he goes, he's going to get a lot of money. Do you think uh, uh, Okada, right? More Okada. More Okada to WWE. I'm I'm starting to buy it. There's a lot of smoke to this fire. I think we see Okada in the mix. 100%. I think Okada right? He has to. There's there's no reason realistically for him to go to AEW. Uh, I know Osprey we talked about was he going to go to AEW? Was he going to go to WWE? There are pros and cons on both sides. Okada is a guy like AJ Styles, is a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura who if you want to cement your legacy on a global platform, that's the place you're going to do it. Because as amazing as Okada is, and as many fans who love Okada will praise him as being probably the best, one of the best workers of the last 10 years, your casual WWE fan may not be super familiar with him. And the opportunity for him to go have big-time marquee matches with a lot of huge names on Raw and SmackDown, get that merchandise money, get the video game money, get a chance to go wrestle at a WrestleMania and live in, you know, immortality or whatever it is. There are guys who as fans of the business that matters to them still. Man, it's just, it's crazy. You throw a guy like him punk into the mix, right? You know, all of a sudden you have these matchups, these like fresh matchups that you just didn't have. And uh, again, they're just sizzling right now. And they're being very selective with the people they're bringing into the party at the moment. It's a very interesting time for WWE. Um, well, speaking of last night on WWE Raw, Adam Pierce informed Seth Rollins that he's invited CM Punk to next week's Raw. He plans on signing Punk to Raw after losing Randy Orton to SmackDown. 
but Punk will also be on SmackDown this week. I loved Seth Rollins' reaction to this. Just doesn't care, whatever, shrugs him off, doesn't take him seriously. This is exactly what I want from Seth Rollins and CM Punk right now. This is perfect. We talked about it yesterday. We said we weren't sure if Punk was going to be on or not. And I said, if he was on, the only reason he would be there was for Pierce to talk about wanting to sign Punk. And I like that Punk is this this spectra hanging overhead. He is, to, to go super nerdy on the Marvel end, he's Thanos. He was a post credit scene at Survivor Series. You got a needle drop of him on Raw last week. You have people indirectly referencing him. The way that Drew handled the Punk reference at the beginning of Raw, I thought was absolutely brilliant without directly naming him. Seth trying to bypass it and being like, you know, look, I got to worry about Jey Uso. I got no time for any of this other nonsense. Punk is very much there, but not there. He's he's just hiding in the background. Um, it's you know, it's interesting to me because I was watching last night and like Drew is actually, I think, acting the way a lot of people kind of thought that Punk would go. Right. Like he's off the chain. He's anti-establishment. Right. He's targeting people. So like there's that. I, I watch what they're doing with Seth Rollins with him at Punk right now, and it really kind of feels like what AEW fans wanted to see, right? Like, isn't Seth Rollins the embodiment of, like, what the Elite was supposed to do? Like, if we got the Elite Punk angle, they'd be saying a lot of the same stuff that Rollins is saying right now. And I kind of feel like in some ways, Seth Rollins is, like, giving giving the fans, like, the program they actually wanted to see at AEW, right? Which is, like, this group of guys that just don't like Punk. They think he's going to screw it up. He's somebody else's problem. I mean, like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, dude, are you the, are you the elite in this situation? And I think that's kind of beautiful in some ways. I don't know. Yeah, I love it. I love that Seth is taking on the role of, gatekeeper in the this is my company i've been here that you know this he's kevin McAllister. this is my house i have to defend it yes. and cm punk is the wet bandits and he's gonna hit him with a paint can yeah dude i love it right and just like the the kind of ownership he has of the space right i built this place you can't mess with me like again it's like this is what people wanted to hear the buck saying to punk also i loved that drew like there was no punk on this episode drew acting kind of punk-ish, right? With this kind of, you know, work shootedness, these kind of off comments and stuff. He gets the spot at the end to leave Seth Rollins lane. And you have this, you have two guys that have really been there and you've built around that are getting that closing moment on Raw. And it has nothing to do with punk. It has nothing to do with Randy Orton. I just thought it was really cool that in this moment where there are so many moving pieces, they were able to land this thing where at the end of the show, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins have the focus. I just thought that was a very good thing they did at the end of Raw. Again, the way that they're booking the Drew character, it's it's some of the best work WWE is doing in a very subtle way. The opening Drew promo of being upset about Punk, be, who's allowed to come back without apologizing in the same way Jey Uso was allowed to come to Raw, open, embrace with open arms without having to apologize. The stuff with Sami Zayn, it wasn't that he went right after Sammy. It was he let Sammy talk. And when Sammy said, hey, we're the same, he's like, the hell we are. You sided with the bloodline. On top of that, you turned your back on them. And then Sammy invoking Drew's family, that was what led Drew to go kind of berserk and nuts and attack him. It was, it was in any other scenario, when the heel takes a shot at the babyface's family, that gives the babyface feel, which is all Drew is doing. 
And then during yeah. the match, the, the moment with the knee flashing back to what they did with Seth at the pay-per-view, I thought that was fantastic. You're giving Drew's heel turn this great simmer, this great natural direction to it, and even bringing up the Royal Rumble stuff, which we talked about yesterday with the poster, and yeah. Cole kind of mm. saying, look, there was only 27 spots. Miz, former world champion, he's not on there. A lot of guys left off of that poster. You don't hear them complaining. They really are paying attention to every moment of what's happening on the show, and it's making it rewarding watching Raw for the first time in a while. Uh, one of my uh, good friends, one of my co-hosts on WrestleRoast, Dan St. Germain, always gets mad when AEW is not doing great, WWE is doing great, because it's not fun when the underdog is not doing well and the dominant company is doing what they're supposed to do. It makes you sound like a homer, but in reality, the bar for WWE was set so low a couple of years ago where you got guys having their eyeballs ripped out and swamp matches and things like that. We're getting we're eating well, guys. We're eating well. Let's be let's be happy. Well, one spice was taken out of the cabinet uh yesterday, and that was the yeet spice as wrestle votes reporting that due to trademark issues wwe and jay uso no longer allowed to say it to put it on merchandise the yeet era of jay uso for now has come to an end and i know that this one hits you hard robert look this is the intersection of the two things i love the most which is pro wrestling and intellectual property law so yeah this was look Jay said yeet out of just pure natural, hey, this is the thing I'm going to say. It wasn't like it was clear in advance. It wasn't like we built a new catchphrase that we're going to try to hammer into people's heads. And they wanted to try to take advantage of it. The problem is they didn't do their due diligence. Years ago when I was there, I remember we did a new signature, the opening. And the phrase that tested really well was the power is back. And we rolled it out and it was like, you know, the, the WWE logo said the power is back. And then we found out after it aired once, oh, we don't have the rights to that. We got to get rid of that. And it immediately went away. So I would have I would have wished somebody in WWE legal, maybe because of the TKO shift over, you know, they're shorthanded. They got other stuff going on. They should have vetted that before they went ahead and made merchandise because the Yeet thing has really caught on. There were still signs. There were still shirts. People were waiting for it. It was trending on Twitter on X last night. He's got to come up with something new. It's not as bad as a couple of years ago when they had one of the women's stables that I guess was named after an adult film company. And right, they didn't yeah, yeah, it. yeah. That is the submission sorority, I believe it was. And they were like, oh, guess is. what? That's pornography. Oh, geez. Okay. You just, maybe something like Yeet, right? Uh, obviously, I don't think you can't do Skeet. That's that's too sexual, right? Deets. Deet, deet, deet. You can do, 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 do. Bruce Pritchard sign off on that one. He gave us rumor and innuendo. Sure, you give Jay Doot right out of the box. No problem. All right. The Doot thing bothers me because the noise that we would make for Michael PSAs was never Doot, Doot, Doot. It was ooh, ooh, bleep, bleep. That was always <laughs> the Michael. It was never Doot, Doot, Doot. It was ooh, ooh, bleep, bleep. I got an idea. I haven't done the Michael Hayes impression once because I don't want to step on other people's uh, toes. But yeah, that was that was the noise all the writers would do whenever it was whenever it was Michael, uh, him and his fanny pack. I love right. Michael Hayes. Uh, Aaron Manzo, thank God Yeet was so stupid. LOL. I look not your cup of tea. Many people liked it. Easy to say, fun thing to say. People love the Yeet. 
Yes. People like four letter words that start with why they can chant, and it sometimes gets people over who don't deserve it. Yeah. Not that I'm thinking of anyone in particular. Okay. Uh, last item here. Uh, I won't. We won't be able to get to Billy the CW. I apologize about that. I do have a full exclusive on the site about Sam Adonis Damn starting bitch. a riot in Juarez, Mexico, that I absolutely uh, think that you should go check out. It is a wild story. But we are going to end here. Uh, I was saying it was the end of an era with Yeet. It was the end of another possibly more significant era today as well. Uh, WWE Home Video UK announced that WWE is withdrawing from the home video category. Um, they This ends a 36-year relationship with Home Video UK. Uh, I did a lot of clarifying. So I talked to some people at WWE this morning, and they definitely said it was either production coming out of the UK, but then me and Ennis McVeigh, uh, wonderful uh, co-worker at House of Wrestling, we found a DVD wrestling network piece that announced that uh, like a day or so ago, WWE home video in the States and globally also shutting down. The last DVD release in the United States will be Survivor Series 2023. And then after that, Robert, I believe that there will, and unless somebody from WWE gets back to me today and tells me otherwise, I am operating under the belief that after this DVD release, there will be no further WWE DVDs, VHS tapes, tapes or Blu-rays being produced. This is the end of it. Isn't that that's crazy? That is that's really that's really sad. Um, you know, I, I attribute a lot of my fandom as a kid growing up to you go to Blockbuster and you saw the the VHS covers of the different pay-per-views. And you would rent them and, and go and catch up. And those DVD, when I was there, the DVD division, the home video division was one of the largest divisions in the company. It was one of the most profitable, profitable divisions. And it was responsible for the, the legacy of Ric Flair being restored the way that it was by the sale of his DVDs. The, the, the uh, ECW DVD, obviously bringing back one night stand and then the ECW brand. So, you know, fish with the good with the bad. Uh, but it's a shame. I think people like to own physical media. Uh, they they want to be able to, to pull it off the shelf and put it in whenever possible. Otherwise, you're now all beholden to having to continue to subscribe to Peacock. Yes. Yes, you are, because you're going to need all that sweet, sweet WWE content, and that's the only place to get it. People are going to be uh, throwing, slinging uh, hard drives around with a bunch of videos. It'll be no longer tape trading. It'll be uh, thumb, thumb drive trading. Uh, Michael Burgett. Will WWE sell digitally of the home videos now, or will it just be streaming on Peacock? That's a great question, Michael. I am still asking a lot of questions about this to people today. I will do my best to find the answer to that. My guess would be that you're going to have to subscribe to wherever their archives are to watch stuff. I don't think they're going to be selling a la carte in Apple stores because that would undercut like where you would be able to stream it elsewhere, but I could be wrong. Not necessarily. I would I would sell it and try to make as much money as you can elsewhere. Okay. I just wonder if the streaming but, platforms know, we'll would see. let you do that. I just don't know if that like if you make a deal with Peacock, they're allowed to do I it think... now under the current deal. They're they're <laughs> selling I, I haven't I haven't tried to buy anything streaming, but you were still selling physical media. So I guess in some degree that's competition, but I, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's a we'll try to get into it'll, it'll make my WrestleMania 17 DVD that much more valuable. 
Hey, I, I'm thinking about getting some copies of the Survivor Series 2023. If this is the last WWE DVD, is this my beanie baby? I think I need to go get it. I think I need to collect it. Ugh. It's bad. I'm going to fall down a rabbit hole here. I'm going to spend way too much money on stuff I don't need. It's not going to age well. Um, That brings us to the end of the show, everybody. Another one in the books. Half hour here, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern. Rumored innuendo. Both uh, my ex, his ex, ad-free shows, House of Wrestling, our YouTube channels, everywhere. That sounds so weird. Triple X. You're like, my ex and his ex. My ex goes in his ex, and then you kind of twist it a little bit. You put another ex in there. Let's see how many X's we can fit in there. So that's what's going on. And if you can't watch this in video form, you can go over to your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to subscribe. Plug us in your ear holes. You can watch us any, or you listen to us anywhere you want. Um, if you really want to be a G, go leave a rating. I think we are up to about 10 five-star ratings right now. It'd be really cool to hit 100 by the end of the year. It'd be even cooler if we got like 30 comments rolling. So leave us some comments. We'll read them on the air. We'll have some fun. Robert, anything you want to put over, say, to wrap up the show here today? Yes, two things. One, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And I have another podcast on the ad-free shows network called WrestleRose. I do want to give a, a quick uh, congratulations and shout out to Cole Tucker, a uh, fantastic baseball player, huge wrestling fan, has been a supporter of our show, who just got married to his wife, a Vanessa Hudgens, uh, some sort of actress. So congratulations, Cole. Uh, my Tov on your on your uh, on your nuptials and on behalf of the applauding Nick Hausman I'm Robert Karpolis best of luck in your future endeavors <laughs>